Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> oh, man. I was going to uh, switch like into a sweater, like <laughs> come back up and maybe literally switch hats. Um, Sam is still recovering, so we're still keeping him up in prayer, and this morning... Everybody, like we have so many people that are so talented and uh, so many better singers than me, but they were all busy. They were all like in another state or working or something. So uh, double duty for me. Um, so today is Sunday, and I hear there's a football game today. Yeah, I think so. Super Bowl Sunday. You guys excited for that? <laughs> I think the folks that are really excited for that are not here right now, except um, well, last Sunday we started uh, the series called Jesus in 3D, and we talked about uh, the humor of Jesus last week. And the idea is that uh, unintentionally and uh, you know, just from us going through years of sitting in church and not everybody has had that experience, but for those of us who have, uh, many, many of us come to this idea of a very two-dimensional Jesus. And typically, what that looks like is kind of the stained glass version of uh, Jesus. No offense to stained glass. <laughs> but this idea that he's just, you know, the, the very holy Jesus, and he is holy, so please, like, you know, I'm going to get hate mail no matter what I say right now. He is holy, but there's more to him, right? He's, he is the only person in all of creation, in all of history, in all of the universe, who we can say is not just God, but he's also more than that. Let that melt your mind for a minute. But we come to this idea that Jesus is very stoic and even cold and sometimes even dreadfully serious because that's how he's often portrayed on uh, film or by teachers. And we struggle to see the God-man as a real man, as a human. And so that's what the idea is behind this series. And maybe you can understand that. We believe that Jesus is good and righteous and worthy of our praise. Absolutely. Absolutely. But then when we read through the Gospels, we find that he's also kind of quirky. And he does weird things that don't always make sense to us. And sometimes we might think of him 
because it's easier to think of him as just God and the shiny white robe that he might even seem a little distant sometimes and maybe more so than we'd even like to admit. Um, recently on TikTok, <laughs> it's funny because TikTok um, is such a weird platform, but I follow these guys that are, um, that are theologians on TikTok because they're there, if you can believe that. And um, I heard this one guy say in his 60-second video that if we think we know Jesus, but we don't have any understanding of the first century world that Jesus was living in, then we don't really know Jesus. And, and that struck me because it's so true. It's, it's, like an, it's like an ouch statement because like I want to think that I know Jesus really well, but it's true. If we don't know the idioms of the day, then we might miss the meaning of a, of a sentence or a joke. If we don't know what games the kids were playing, we might miss out on something that Jesus was trying to use as an illustration. Those types of things are hard, but the more, for us, I think we're all here because we want to know Jesus more. We want to know about him, but we also want to experience him. And I think that in order to do so, we have to really reach deeper and look for this idea of Jesus in 3D. The quintessential essence of being called a Christian is that we look like Jesus, that we're following after him, that we want to resemble him, that we want to show the world Jesus. So in order to do that, and if we only do that with a 2D Jesus, then we're missing out on some stuff. And as it turns out, I think it's some of the best stuff because Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. But Jesus is also human. So we might think of God and be like, well, yeah, he's God. Like, he created everything. He did all this stuff, and now he's up in heaven, or wherever you think of him. It's really hard to say, I'm going to be like that, because he's perfect. Be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. All those things come to mind. He's, he's holy, he's good, but he's so much better than me. His thoughts are so much above my thoughts. All those things that, we've, that we know to be true. But Jesus comes down and takes on flesh and humanity, and now he says, you can do this too. But if we're stuck in the 2D realm of only seeing Jesus as this very stoic and, you know, uh, uh, I don't want to say grumpy, but that's kind of <laughs> what I think sometimes. Like this, this person that is always so serious, then we miss out on the rest of Jesus. There's more to know. Like, for example, how warm he was, which we could see from some of the stuff we read last week, and just the fact that he had friends, and he was a friend. And he acted like friends act. He was funny sometimes. For me, and I hope for you, knowing these things helped me relate more to the person of Jesus. And so this morning, as we get into this, 
I'll ask you to pray with me for the same. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these scriptures that have been passed down to us that we read from today and that paint a picture of who you are. And entering into that picture is what we're doing today. So we want you to lead our minds and focus our thoughts and help us to see Jesus uh, more clearly than we, than we typically have and follow him more closely than we've ever thought we could. And we ask it in his name. Amen. A long time ago, some years ago, I started asking these questions about how do I know more about Jesus? Like it's been a driving force for a while. And at first this was just kind of a thing I played over in my head and as I was reading, I was like, I wonder what he meant by that. I wonder why he, you know, spit in the mud and rubbed it on the guy's eyes. I wondered why he did certain things. And it was really uh, almost like everything I'd see was like, man, he didn't, he healed these two guys in completely different ways of the same thing. Like he didn't do things in a, in a system that I could understand. <laughs> so then I started asking other people, who is Jesus? What is Jesus like? And none of the answers were wrong, but they were always very typical. Like he's holy. Um, he's compassionate. He's loving. He is love. He's good. He's beautiful. Jesus is awesome. All of those kinds of things that are really easy to say. Now, they're all true. But I still wondered, but what's he really like? And the truth is that Jesus was human. Brendan Manning said it like this. He said, we have spread so many ashes over the historical Jesus that we scarcely feel the glow of his presence anymore. He is a man in a way that we have forgotten men can be. He's truthful, blunt, emotional, non-manipulative, sensitive, compassionate. His inner child so liberated that he did not feel it unmanly to cry. Eugene Peterson said, Jesus was so obviously human, but this has never been an easy truth for people to swallow. There are plenty of people walking around who will have none of this particularity, human ordinariness, bodily fluids, raw emotions of anger and disgust, fatigue and loneliness. Eugene Peterson is the man who translated the message version of the Bible. And in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8, he translates it this way. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantage of that status, no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death 
and the worst kind of death at that, at crucifixion. John, in one, chapter 114 of his gospel, writes, The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In Hebrews, the author of Hebrews in chapter 2, verse 17 says, For this reason he had to be made like them. Like who? Like us. Fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So, of course, Jesus is the second person in the Trinity. Sam taught on this recently and touched on some of these things that we're going to talk about. But I know uh, that when we talk about the humanness of Jesus, the humanity of Jesus, there's an old voice maybe in the back of your mind that's, that doesn't want to go there <laughs> because it's too, uh, it's, it's almost too ordinary to describe a man like Jesus who was so extraordinary. But the scriptures do it. The scriptures are clear that Jesus became part of humanity. The storyteller entered the story. So when we go through these things today, you're going to have to challenge maybe some of those old thoughts that think of Jesus as a white guy with flowing blonde hair and blue eyes and a glowing white robe that never got dirty because that's not him. I, I looked up a couple of pictures of like, you know, um, medieval art about Jesus and that's where we get the idea of the European look that he did not have. <laughs> but, you know, the, the faces, the expressions of Jesus were always like serious, almost angry all the time. And then I looked up kind of what a modern day Jesus looks like. And, you know, the meme, right? Like <laughs> the thumbs up, that Jesus. We so get it wrong so much of the time. Being human means a broad range of things. But one thing for sure, humans feel things deeply. And no one felt more deeply than Jesus. No one was more human than Jesus. So that means he felt human emotions. He felt overwhelmed. His words. He felt anguish. He was surprised. He got tired. He grew frustrated. He even got angry. And he felt loneliness. And each of these, just as when we looked at the humor of Jesus, we glean insight into who he is, what he's like, his real personality, if you will. When we picture him, again, as the heavenly white robe, flowing hair, dead serious, high and lofty Jesus, we lose the very thing that we're able to relate to in him. If Jesus is just God in skin, we lose the very thing that draws us close, his humanity, his personality. Those are the things that draw us back. You see, John Eldridge says it like this. He says, the man of sorrows has a sense of humor. The prince of peace could work himself into agitation. The wonderful counselor 
could be downright ironic. The man on a mission had time to sit and chat. And for these things, these things that make him human, I love him even more. I feel like I can know him even better. So let's look at some of these elements of raw humanity in the, in, the, in the gospel stories. And we'll move through these pretty quick. Jesus gets frustrated. Matthew 11, 16 through 18. To what can I compare this generation? They're like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you didn't dance. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating or drinking and you said he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. This is Jesus getting frustrated at the people, at the, at the Pharisees. See, in, in the first century in Jerusalem, the kids would play a game, and it was called, I don't know if I have the, I don't know if it was exactly called this, but the essential uh, elements of this was that there was a wedding and there was a funeral. And the kids would imagine these things happening on the same day. So a most joyous occasion and a most sad occasion happening at the same time. And often the procession of each would cross in the center of town or an open space. So kids would be celebrating by playing the pipe. This represents the wedding. And other kids would be singing a dirge, which is a sad song, because they would pretend they were, more, they were going to a funeral. And so they would cross in the middle somewhere, and kids could switch. <laughs> it was... A, a different time. They didn't have video games, okay? <laughs> but Jesus says in this story, right, he says that John came singing a dirge, and he didn't mourn with John. And the Son of Man comes like a wedding festival, and you called him a glutton and a drunkard. Like there's nothing, he says, that can make these people satisfied. There's nothing that can make them happy. So he was frustrated, and he says so in this text. These people aren't happy. They won't be happy. They can't be made happy. All they do is complain. So he got frustrated. It's frustrating being misunderstood, but it's even more so when the people won't even sing along or dance along. Also notice that they called Jesus a glutton and a drunkard. (laughs) Because it's funny Again, there's humor in this, that they would call the Son of God these things. Jesus was astonished in Matthew 8. In Matthew 8, verses 5 through 10. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies home, at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come out and heal him? But the centurion said, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus said this, he was amazed. Look at that word. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly, I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Now that same word that Matthew uses for amazed 
is the same word that he uses when he describes, you remember the, the story of the great squall and how there's a, they're on a boat and there's this big storm and Jesus is what? He's sleeping. Come on, don't tell me he doesn't have a sense of humor. These guys are fearing for their lives and Jesus is asleep. But he gets up and he, and he says, oh, you have little faith and he does this thing, right? And then he goes and he says, quiet, be still. And the storm stops. And then Matthew says that those disciples were astonished that even the, the wind and the sea would obey Jesus. That's the same word. This, this oh my gosh, <laughs> this shock, this astonishment, this amazement, that's the same word that Jesus used when he said, I have not seen anybody with this kind of faith in all of Israel. Jesus can be surprised. Have you ever felt completely overwhelmed? Yeah. Jesus did too. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, listen to this sentence. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. If you've ever felt overwhelmed to the point where you could not even see past it, Jesus has too. There is so much emotion in this short passage. He says he's overwhelmed with sorrow. He's worried, nervous. He brings his closest friends with him because he wants companionship. He doesn't want to feel alone. It's the most human moment I can think of in all the Gospels. And speaking of feeling alone, in John 14, Jesus feels alone, misunderstood, even disappointed. Starting in verse 1, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Here is Jesus encouraging his disciples. He's encouraging them. He's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry. I've got this. I've got this. It's going to get rough, but then it's going to get better. That's, that's the nutshell version, right? But look at the next couple of verses. And, and his friends, the closest people to him, are like, well, show us the Father. We want to see him. And then, you know, we don't know where you're going. You've got to show us, you've got to give us a map or something. And can you be more specific, Jesus? And in verse 9, Jesus answers them and he says, don't you know me, Philip? Don't you know me? Even after all, 
all this time, even after I have been with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? He's like, man, I thought you guys were past this. I thought you knew because it's been three years. I thought you understood these are the basics. I am one with the Father. He is one with me. But he goes from this moment of giving assurance to his loved ones to just utter disappointment in these short verses. Don't you know me after all this time? Misunderstanding, sad, disappointed. Jesus felt the same things that we feel. And we might not have been facing crucifixion, but maybe we lost a loved one. Maybe we've been let down by friends. And so much of these things, we see the humanity of Jesus, it's for a reason. The purpose is that we know he's human like we are human. Jesus wept, we weep. Jesus laughed, we laugh. Jesus lamented, we do too. Let's end with a funny one. Last week we talked about how I think Jesus had a little bit of fun with a couple of disciples as they were walking on the road to Emmaus. But do you know the rest of that story? How they run back to Jerusalem? Which is like a crazy walk in the middle of like, I don't even know, I think it's like 14 miles maybe? Um, So I don't know how long that took. Seven miles, I don't know. But they went back to Jerusalem because they wanted to give testimony to the things that they just seen to the other disciples and the apostles. So they ran back and they're sharing stories with the 11 and the rest of the disciples that are gathered there And Luke 24, 36 through 41 tells us. While they were still talking about this, while they were still saying Jesus was just in our house and then he broke bread and then we knew who he was and they're telling the story. And it says, while they were still talking about it, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. (laughs) I think it's funny. I think this is a funny story. They were startled and frightened, it says, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? <laughs> Showing off his sense of humor again, this time the same two guys, they're, they're telling their story and Jesus just pops in the room. <laughs> like, how did that happen? He shows up out of nowhere and he not, <laughs> very nonchalantly is like, hey, peace be with you. Very casual. Scared the bejesus out of him. Can I say that? (laughs) 
And my, my favorite part about the story, it reminds me of when he was walking on water, right? Because the same thing happened. They freaked out. They got scared, and they said, it's a ghost. Only Apparently, ghosts walk on water. I didn't know that, but they were freaked out. Same kind of thing. Jesus never tells them, hey, guys, you know there's no such thing as ghosts, right? <laughs> He's like, I might use that again later. <laughs> but he doesn't tell them that here either. He, isn't, he, isn't, he just says, look at me, touch me. And then my favorite thing. Got any food? Because ghosts don't eat. But Jesus is a glutton. <laughs> and, and so just this kind of MO, um, he showed up on the beach and he's like, bring me some fish, let's eat. This idea that Jesus is a friend. He craves companionship. That's why he didn't want to be alone in Gethsemane. He's human like we're human. Even after the resurrection, still in flesh and bones, he's still a man. So again, why all this? Why is any of this important? Hebrews 4, verses 14 through 16, in the message translation says, Now that we know what we have, Jesus this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he so readily, he is so readily, he's so ready to give. Take the mercy accept the help. Isn't that beautiful? Why is the humanity of Jesus important? Because this way we know that we have a priest who has been through what we have been through. He has mourned, he has wept, he has laughed. He's been disappointed. He's been surprised. It can be really hard to have a relationship with the invisible God. It can be hard to feel so messed up in the presence of somebody who is so holy. And that can then make us push him away and make us feel distant from God or that God is cold until we blow off some of this religious dust from the humanity of Jesus. And then when we see his need for friendship, his own feelings of desperation and sadness and loneliness and frustration, he wept, he laughed. We know he got angry. And he isn't some wooden-faced, disinterested God somewhere off out in the by and by. He's been through what you've been through so that we could relate with him and experience him in life, that we might venture to say he became like us so that we might become like him. And that, my friends, is what it's all about. Father, we thank you again for your word, for the fact that it is fresh. When we, when we put on fresh eyes and look at it from a different angle, we see three dimensions. 
and we're so used to seeing too. But I pray you would enlighten our eyes to see you more clearly and to walk with you more closely. And I pray you'd use some of this to stir this up in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to ask the worship leader to come up and close in a song. God bless you guys. Have a great week. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.